In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day. In the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The message of Christmas is there is a God who adapts to us to rescue us and forgive us at our time of need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for coming to us to forgive us and to love us.
In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Christmas is a time of adapting. I mean, just think about your house. Your house is completely adapted. You've got lights up, you've got trees up, you've adapted everything to make your house feel like Christmas. Think about food. You're going to have guests over, family over. You, you even adapt what you cook. Hey, any diet issues, allergic issues, or the people coming to visit with you, a favorite dessert maybe, a favorite meal, you adapt your meal preparation. Christmas is the time of adapting what you shop for. You're going to find yourself shopping for perfume. You're never in a perfume shop. You're going to find yourself buying some Star Wars figures. You never shop for that unless you have a niece or a son or, in my wife's case, a husband who loves Star Wars. You adapt your home. You childproof it for grandkids. You let somebody sleep in your bed because they're not able to walk up the stairs to the guest room. You find yourself adapting your emotions as you gather with family and friends and someone shares a sad story or a challenge of the year and you adapt to empathize with them, to sympathize with them. Maybe you've had a tough year, but you also adapt to rejoice with somebody who's had a great year and you enter into their joy and you enter into their story and you enter into their laughter. Christmas is a time of adapting. We've had a year of adapting. After 20 years of marriage, my wife and I just continued. I've always tried to have you know, counselors speak into our life so we can learn how to continue to adapt to one another. And this year, as one of my, uh, my oldest daughter has gone off to college, we've had to adapt to not having her around the table. What is it like for the other four of us to be a family together? If you walk around our house, you'll see bolted doors and padded walls and gates in the backyard. We've adapted our whole home to having a special needs child with autism. My 16-year-old son, over the years, trying to find the best way to get the best out of him, we've adapted his schooling. So he's taking college at home as a high school student to cram two years of college into his high school experience. Christmas is all about adapting to whatever life has given us. And did you know that kenosis is the real meaning of Christmas? Kenosis? How can that be the real meaning of Christmas? I don't even know what that is. It's all Greek to me. Well, it is Greek, actually. It's a Greek word used in Philippians that gives you the secret to relational success. Every relationship in your life, son, father, husband, wife, colleague, boss, kenosis is the secret to taking hurting relationships and making them whole again, good relations and making them great. And here's what kenosis means. I'm going to adapt what I do without losing who I am because of what you mean to me. Let's look at those three aspects. The first part, which we're told in Philippians, is that God was willing to adapt what he did. As I adapt what I do. He says, let this mindset be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I want you to do unto others the way God did unto you. Who, being in the very form of God, made himself. That's the Greek word kenosis. He emptied himself, adapted himself. To not needing a reputation or his rights, but instead he took upon himself the form of a servant and became in the likeness of men. Jesus, who had been in eternity, past, present, and future, knew that we needed somebody to walk with us, to adapt to us, to substitute for us. So he who was fully God became man. He emptied himself into humankind to give us what we needed. Now, the word I underlined up there is the word being. It's an interesting Greek word. It's actually a circumstantial participle, which means the meaning of the word can change depending on the t- context. So it could mean 
despite the fact he was God, he did the opposite of what God does and he humbled himself and became a man. Or it can be translated, being. Because he's God, he did what God does and humbled himself and served others. What Paul is saying is that precisely because he's got the kind of character and heart that he has, he could not wait to adapt and serve and sacrifice for others. That's what this God does. That's what this God is like. He loves to adapt to others. You see, Zeus and Hermes, there are a lot of mythological stories of them. They would dress up often as servants, and they would come amongst the people, and then they'd go, Surprise! We're really God! And when they put on human form, they were just disguising who God was for a few minutes. Jesus was revealing who God is. He's the kind of God who gets down on our level and adapts to what we need. Many of you who are runners probably heard of Team Hoyt. Rick Hoyt, 1977, handicapped, was being pushed to and fro in his wheelchair. His father, Dick, wasn't really a runner, wasn't really an athlete, but he said, Dad, could you push me? In a 5K? His dad said, well, I don't know. He said, come on, Dad. When I run, I don't feel handicapped. So his dad adapted his training, his diet, his living style. And in 1977, he pushed him in that wheelchair, the full 5K. And then over the years, they said, well, how about a marathon? He pushed him in a marathon. How about an Ironman, where he pushed him in the wheelchair and then swam with his son on a mattress behind him, as well as the biking? 35 years a father adapting to his son up until 2014 when they run a marathon. That's a legacy of a father's adapting. They asked Rick, they said, Rick, if you could walk again and be healed, what's the one thing you would do? He said, oh, I would run. I would not only run, but I'd let my dad sit in the chair and I'd push him for once. You see, when a father adapts to you, you want to go and adapt to others. It just makes sense. So the first aspect is I adapt what I do. The second thing is I do it without losing who I am. And that's what's so powerful and as a relational principle here. He goes on to say, he was in the very form of God, the very essence of God. And he put himself in the very former essence of a servant. The likeness of men. The appearance of man. To which has been debate over the years. Well, how could he? Maybe just the appearance of God. He wasn't really God. Or maybe just the appearance of a man. He wasn't really man. But, but Paul wants us to know he was 100% God and 100% man. He did not lose who he was when he emptied himself into human form. He even tells at the end of the passage, this is the Jesus that at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Jesus Christ the Lord, which is the word for God. He is God. He was able to adapt to what we need without losing any bit of who he really was. Now, this is where this gets so practical. Many of us refuse to adapt because we think, well, other people just need to adapt to me, my personality, my preferences. And it causes friction in relationships and marriages and in companies. Others of us are more codependent. We're like, well, I'm adapting because I'm only happy if somebody feels a certain way about me. This isn't that either. The story goes, how do you know if you're codependent? You turn to your spouse in the morning and say, honey, wake up. Good morning. How am I? Somebody sneezes in a party and you say, excuse me. That's how you know you're codependent. This isn't codependency. This isn't your doormat. This isn't I need to be something for somebody else to be happy. This is a place of confidence. Because God adapted to me and loved me, out of a place of confidence and security, I want to adapt to other people in my life. Because I want them to know how much they mean to me. 
I want to help meet their needs. I want to adapt to what they need to help them from a place of love and sacrifice. That's what it's about. Here's an amazing, I've got to confess, I'm not a big fan of Christmas pictures. In fact, I've usually got a bad attitude when we do our family Christmas picture. Oh, okay, well, honey, whatever you want me to wear, I'll wear. I know it wasn't a good smile. I know, okay, trying to hold him, you look at the pit. Over the years, my, my attitude's gotten a little better. I've learned to adapt a bit. But several years ago, we had a family gathering, an extended family picture, and one of our relatives, who really irritates me, a pretty dominating, a pretty controlling person, decided they were going to orchestrate it all for the family. In other words, they were going to tell us what we should wear, where we should stand, what we should do. And all of a sudden, I was less open-minded. I was less flexible. In fact, had anyone else asked me to adapt, I would have said, sure, I don't care what I wear. Just tell me what to put on. But she said, everyone's wearing jeans. I'm not wearing jeans. Everybody's wearing a blue shirt. I don't like blue shirts. And I was amazed that though I would adapt for my mom or my dad or my wife or my kids, I didn't want to adapt to that person who annoyed and irritated me. The God of the Bible doesn't just adapt to his friends. He adapts to his enemies. Those who betrayed him, who cursed him, who spit upon him, who angry at him. He says, I will adapt what I do without losing who I am, even for the people who reject me. That's powerful adaptation. The third aspect he mentions here is the reason I'm going to adapt, the reason I'm going to do this, the motivation, third aspect is because of what you mean to me. He says, I'm going to go to great lengths to let you know how much you mean to me. He humbled himself. God of the universe humbled himself. He became obedient even to the point of death. What kind of death? Not an easy death. Not a slow death. Even death on the cross. He wanted you to know just to what extent he would go. He would not just come to earth. He would substitute and die for you and I because of how much we mean to him. That's what adapting does. That's why it's so powerful. Have you ever had someone adapt to you? And it told you how important you were? So a woman walked into a church in New York several years ago and the pastor said, oh, you knew here. She said, I am. So what brings you here? She said, my boss. Well, tell me about that. She said, well, several months ago, I made a huge mistake at work. It was totally my fault. And we got called into the upper management, upper executive suite. And as we got there, my boss came with me and he took control of the meeting. And immediately he said, I want you to know that this is what happened. And it was a mistake. And it's my fault, he said. She said, but I knew it was mine. He said, I didn't train her properly. I didn't give her the supervision she needed. So I want you to know that I'm taking responsibility for this. They walked out of the meeting. And his reputation took a hit, but he had lots of credence there, and he didn't lose his job. She came up to him, and she said, how, how, why did you do this for me? He said, I'm glad to do it. Let me sort of get us on track so it doesn't happen again. She said, no, I've got to know. Why would you do this for me? He said, well, I don't want to get religious at work, but if you really want to know, the reason I took blame for you is because I have a God who took the blame for me. And so here I'm at church today because I want to know a God that will show up like that at the workplace. Because that's what adapting does. Adapting tells people. It communicates respect. It communicates appreciation. It communicates that you're valued, that you're important. It shows up in different ways. For some of us, we come home and we're ready just to veg out. But instead of edging out, which is our natural tendency, we're going to engage and we're going to listen to our spouse and hear about their day. 
or we're going to choose to wrestle with our kids and let them know how important they are, even though we'd really like to collapse. We're adapting. We're saying, you're important to me. It's a marriage or a friendship where there's been a fracture, a disagreement. And, and no one knows exactly whose fault it is, but there's friction there. And you choose to adapt. You say, I want to make a repair attempt. I want to apologize. I want to reconcile. I want to take the first step because of what our friendship, what our marriage means to me. I want to go first. Didn't you have a father or a mother who did that? Maybe you were a gamer and they were into fishing. And yet they adapted and said, tell me why you love your games. Or you love fishing and, and, and maybe you were a Mac person, they were a PC person. And you noticed that your father wanted to enter your world to let you know how important you were, even though they weren't really into your world. And that communicated something to you. That you were important, that what you valued, what you loved was important. That's what the father is doing here for us. He's bringing out the best by becoming a child, a man, and even to the death on a cross. And what's our response to that? How do you respond to a God who adapts what he does without losing who he is because of what you mean to me? Well, actually, the response is obvious. I want to adapt what I do because of who he is and because of what he did for me. I want to go and do unto others what's been done unto me. I want to adapt to other people. I want to adapt my approach I've been very domineering and I want to bring a spirit of humility and service to the people around me. I want to confess that I have a tendency to control and say, I'm not going to adjust. And instead say, how can I bring some gentleness into this relationship? Maybe if you're a kid here today and your tendency when your brother or sister turns to you and says, hey, you want to play my game? Your instinct is, you're not my boss. Maybe instead you want to adapt and say, what do you want to play? How can I help? How can I serve? What do you want to do first? There's something sweet about adaptation. There's something powerful about it. Maybe for you it's adapting your faith. You come to Christmas and say, I don't necessarily believe in the story. It's a nice way to maybe frame it, Chad, but I don't believe in it at all. I'm mad at God for something he did or something he didn't do. Or someone who's not here this Christmas. A son, a daughter, a grandma, a dad. And I'm mad at God right now. And maybe the adapting of your faith this morning is realizing that there is a God who loved you enough that he entered this world to face death and pain. He knows what it's like to suffer loss. He knows what it's like to enter into grief. He is a high priest who can sympathize with us. And maybe what he would ask you to do is to adapt in such a way to say, God, I want to open my heart just a little bit. And say, maybe you can understand my pain a little Maybe instead of be angry at you, I'm going to adapt and switch from anger to empathy and ask you just to meet me in my need. But you know what happens to many of us? We just run out of willpower. Any relationship you're in, you just say, I've adapted enough. We're just too different. We're just too different. Maybe I should give up. I'm running out of the power to adapt. And that's why you need to tap in to the spirit of Christmas. You need the ultimate adapter to give you the power you need to adapt. Have you ever been overseas? Business trip to Europe or, or over to the Middle East. And when you get there... You brought your iPad, you brought your chargers, you brought your hair curlers, you brought your computer, and you get into that hotel room and, oh no, I'm in another world. I can't plug in the iPad. They've got a different kind of plug system here. I need an adapter. Something can get this world I'm in connected to that world I'm from. And that's why Jesus came. He wanted to give you access to the other world, God's wisdom, God's forgiveness, God's power. 
So he had to be fully from the other world. Then he had to fully come into our world so he could sympathize and substitute and connect with us. He becomes the adapter by which we plug ourselves into to get access to the ability to forgive those we don't want to forgive. To be patient with those we don't want to be patient with. That's the power of kenosis. And that's why Paul says, let this mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's what was going on that sacred and holy night. You know what made that night holy? It's not the horses, not the manure, not the stable. It was the fact that God was here. Why don't you stand and join me as we sing of that silent night, a God who loved us enough to come and adapt for us.
Maybe you want to pray with me. Father, thank you. Maybe you want to say in your own words, God, thank you for adapting to me. Tell me to forgive me. And I need access to your power source to adapt to people in my life as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You raise your candles with me as we say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll see you all in January.